Welcome to the Coast Life Church Podcast. For more videos, messages, and content, be sure to subscribe to our channels on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube for a great way to stay connected throughout the week. Tune in as Pastor Jason brings this week's message from our series, Optics. This, this is the finale of a, ser- a series we've been in called Optics and talking about, about vision, about your perspective, about how you see the world, about how you view God, about how you see yourself. And I, I can't believe the series is already over. I'm excited for At the Movies next weekend. But, man, I've loved just getting to talk vision with you over the past few weeks. And I, I pray that God has used these messages maybe to clear away f- some of the smudges on the window of your soul so you can see clearly what it is that God has for you in your life. And this weekend, we're going to um, conclude the series with Vision Weekend. Anybody excited for Vision Weekend? I'm, I'm pumped to, to get to talk to you. And I'll spend some time today talking about our vision as a church. And, uh, and I'm excited for that. If you, if you aren't a part of our church or you're just here hanging out with us, uh, one is that there's so much that I'm going to say that you can use it for personal vision, and we know you're in the room, and I just believe today that God is going to speak to all of our hearts individually as we talk about our vision collectively. Amen, somebody? And we've been in a series based on Matthew chapter 6, a verse, two verses of Scripture that record the words of Jesus, something that Jesus said in the Gospels, and I'm going to read today. We've been reading this, these two verses to start our time together every week, but I'm going to read a different version of the Bible today. This is the paraphrase version of the Bible. A, a, a guy paraphrased the Bible, and the whole thing, incredible, very artistic. I love his verbiage, and so I just love to every once in a while pick up something he said and, and use it, and it's Matthew 6, 22 through 23. It's the message version of the Bible. And Jesus says this, your eyes are windows into your body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body, your spirit, your soul, your mind, it fills up with light. Fills with light. If you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a dank cellar. It's a dank cellar. And if you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. Just a powerful portion of Scripture. I think he paraphrases it so well, the message that Jesus is getting us. And that is, there's one way to live your life. It's wide-eyed, filled with belief and expectation, and it lights up your whole life. Or you you can pull the shades and you can draw the blinds and you can just close off the future in your life. And I think there's a few reasons we do that. One is, I, I think maybe sometimes we just draw the blinds because of fear. You ever, you ever just look out in the future and sort of get overwhelmed with fear? I think sometimes we, we, we don't want to look out ahead because when we look, we don't see faith, we see fear, so we just close the blinds. I think sometimes we close the blinds because of disappointment in our life. How many of you know that the past is a teacher? That the past teaches us what to expect in the future. Here's the problem. Sometimes the past isn't a very good teacher. Because we think that what's happened is what's going to happen, not realizing that what happened isn't nowhere connected to what God has in store for our future. 
And when we live in when we live in the past and we just close the blinds and when we sometimes walk through rejection, uh, we close the blinds. Sometimes we walk through failure and we just get identified by our failure. And so that's how we see our lives is through the lens of failure. So we close the blinds. And the question is, are, is your life lived wide-eyed and full of belief and wonder? Or are you in a place of distrusting? And is your soul a dank cellar? If your soul is a dank cellar, would you just raise your hand? No, I'm just joking. I'm not going to ask you to do that. I've got garlic in my soul right now. In, in the newer versions of the passage of Scripture that we just read, it uses the words of Jesus, and it says, is your eye healthy or unhealthy? And we've been talking about that for a few weeks. Do you have a healthy vision or do you have an unhealthy vision? Do you, do you see life through a heavenly lens, the way that God would have us to see it, or do you see it through an earthly lens? But when, when the Bible was originally translated, it's a King James version of the Bible, and I realize that I'm jumping worlds really fast here. We're going from the message version to the King James version. And the King James Version was, was translated in the early 1600s, so it's in English, but it's not a form of English that we really use anymore. But the way that the King James Version translates this passage, it says, is your eye single or is it evil? It's either healthy or unhealthy. It's either single or it's divided. It's, it's fractured. And the idea is this, is that clear vision, and this, this will help you, that clear vision is focused, it's directed, it's purposeful, and it's singular. Like there's just a clear singular vision for my life and where I'm going to go. And, and what Jesus described as evil or unhealthy is, is a vision that is scattered, that's distracted, that's unfocused, and is divided. And how many of you know that sometimes the enemy doesn't want you just to see what God has. He wants you to see everything else in the world so that you get distracted from the one thing and the one way and the one place that God wants you to go. And, and the challenge around, around vision is just to get a singular vision, to get a purposeful vision for your life. And I, I don't know how many times I've said this, but hopefully one more time isn't going to hurt. And that is a church can't be built around one person, but it does have to be built around one vision. And a lot of times churches stay small because it's just built around one individual doing all of the work of the ministry, and obviously there's only so many people that you can serve, and thankfully our church has never just been built around one person, but then the challenge for us is, is we had a 5 p.m. service last night where this room was full, and then we had a 7 p.m. service where there was a bunch of people in this room, and then we just had a 9.15 service where there was a bunch of people in this room, and now you step into the 11.15 service, and this service is filled with people, and the challenge is how do we take all of these services and all of these people and run with one vision and run with one vision because I, I learned something a long time ago that when I was doing premarital counseling we, we do a, a course here trying to help young couples get ready for marriage and I, I don't do it anymore because I'm a terrible counselor uh, because I'm a preacher and I just yell at people and tell them what to do and like here's three points that'll fix your life now go do it and uh and that's just kind of how I roll. So there's people who are much better at it than I am. But one of the things I would love to do is just set them up for failure during the process. It was so fun. Um, and I would, <laughs> I would ask this question individually of them. I wouldn't let them get in sync on the answer. And I'd ask it subtly because I didn't want them to catch what was going on. I would ask, 
hey, where, where, do you, where, where do you see yourself in five years? And because I realized something that if one of them saw themselves out west in the mountains in a cabin by a river and the other one lived, saw themselves building a house next door to mom and dad and staying close to family, what we had was two visions and in essence is what we had was division. Because that's literally the definition of division is having more than one vision. And sometimes we get divided because we're trying to chase different visions and what God would want to say to us. And that's why Jesus said that your eye has to be singular, that there has to be a single focus in your life. If you want to move forward, if you want to go somewhere, then you've got to pick a single vision. We can't have a bunch of different visions going on in our life and in our church. We've got to have one vision because bifocals are great in the natural, but they don't work spiritually. His bifocals, you know, they, they, Benjamin Franklin was a genius. He, he solved two problems at one time. Some of us can't, we're nearsighted, some of us are farsighted, and some of us are just completely blind. And, and some, you need bifocals so you can see up close and then you can change the focus and see out front. That's great in the natural, but that's not great in the spiritual and, and heavenly things because what God wants us to do is to get our focus off of the here and now and look up a little higher and see further down the road and see something greater and set our singular vision on something that's higher than the here and now. And there's actually a spiritual condition in the Bible found in 2 Peter 1 and 9. He said, for whoever lacks these qualities is so, watch this, so nearsighted that he's blind so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. And what he's saying is nearsightedness is when we lose the right perspective of who we are, of what God has called us to do, and what God has called us to be. And you can't look through spiritual bifocals. You can't go back and forth between having an earthly vision and a heavenly vision and focused on here and now and focused on there. And that's why it's translated as let your eye be single because what Jesus is wanting us to do is not get nearsighted and draw the blinds of our life and close everything in based on what we see here and now. What Jesus is wanting is for us to look up and be big faith big spirited, big vision, big dream, big hope, big faith people who believe that what I'm seeing is beyond what I'm seeing in the here and now. And the mountain may be in my near sight, but I see the God that's bigger than the mountain and what's in my near sight. Come on, somebody. It's going to be in my rear view mirror because I serve the God that's greater than the here and the now. I serve a God that's big, so I'm not going to close the blinds of my life. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to live in worry. I'm not going to live in doubt. I'm not going to live in the past. I'm not going to stay in my rejection. I'm not going to sit in my disappointment because I serve a big God that does big things. So I'm going to throw the blinds open. I'm going to live wide-eyed. I'm going to live big-hearted. I'm going to live big faith. And I'm going to see beyond just the here and now because I've got my sight set on a God that is bigger than my circumstances. That we've got big vision. Come on, somebody. Anybody got big vision in the room today? So how do we keep the right vision as a church? How How do we have all of these people, so many amazing people in our church, a part of our family. Have you ever thought about that? You ever get divided in your own family of four? Now multiply that times about 500, and that's how you lead a church. How do we have the right vision? I want to give you three pictures today of the church in general, but specifically in the sense of our church. And the first is this, how does God see the church? 
Like, I don't know how you see the church. I know how I see the church. I, I pastor a church, so my wife and I, we talk about church all the time. We talk about church in the living room. We talk about church in the kitchen. We do not talk about church in the bedroom, praise God. Um, and we, we talk about church a lot. And, our, you know, our hearts are here. We, we dedicated our lives just to building the church a long time ago. And, and that was the, a common bond we've shared for many years but I, I don't know what your perspective, maybe you think of the church frequently or infrequently, maybe you don't even know what you think about uh, the church, you're just here checking it out, and that's, that's, all, that's all great, but how does God see the church? How does he look at it? And Paul says this, Ephesians 1, again the message version, he writes this about God and how God sees the church. He said, at the center of all this, all this, all this world, all this culture around us, at the center of all this, Christ rules the church. Jesus was the head of the church, Jesus is the head of the church, and Jesus will ever be the head of the church. He's the head. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. God sees the church as the focal point of the world. Like When God looks down from heaven and sees the world, the focal point is the church. Everything else is in his peripheral vision. You understand peripheral vision, right? If I look at this podium, I can see the people on the first and second and third row. I can see pretty much this whole room, but nothing's clear because what I'm focused on is here. When God looks at the world, everything else besides the church is in his peripheral vision. Now, we, we get focused right on culture. We get focused on politics. We get focused on uh, different things, who has influence and who doesn't have influence. But when you talk about God, his singular focus is on the church. And uh, I, I, don't, I know who wrote uh, the song, but Lionel Richie wrote a song called Easy Like Sunday Morning. And I can tell you three things about Lionel Richie. He was not the pastor of a church. He was not on a dream team at his church. And he was not trying to get small children to church. Because if he was any one of those three things, he would not have written a song called Easy Like Sunday Morning. Because there's, there's nothing easy about Sunday morning if you're on our dream team or you're part of our staff or you're trying to get young kids here. And for some of you, just even getting here in general. But uh, one, one weekend, I, for whatever reason, it was a chill weekend, very rare Nothing really going on. I was meandering around, and I, I engaged in a conversation. Somebody that's been a part of our church since day one, I haven't had a chance to connect with them in a long time, and it was just a special conversation. And then right next to me uh, was one of our, our, our dream team was huddling. And so what you have to know is that there are hundreds of people who serve our church every weekend, who volunteer their time. They get here before anybody else gets here. They huddle together. They share a value of our church, one of our... It's called our Coast Life Code. It's how we love and serve people here at Coast Life Church. It's what we've said yes to, and then we've said no to everything else. This is who we are. And then they talk about information, what they need to know for the weekend. And then I want you to know this. Long before any of you guys were here, there were huddles of people gathering around praying just for you today. And you've been prayed over because we love you, and we're so thankful that you're here. And that's how the huddle's supposed to go, but this one went off the rails. This, this one went off the rails. I, I overheard it, and yes, 
confess I was spying. Forgive me. I was eavesdropping. And the, the group was talking, and they just started talking about a political thing that was happening in our country, and it was dominating the headlines, and it was going on. And then, I'll be honest with you, they didn't pray for you. They prayed for the political event that was happening. And I get it. I get how easy it is for us to take our focal point and just get it cast on what the world is focused on. But can I just tell you today that God is not focused on government and he's not focused on a political party. He's focused on this room right now because this is the place where Jesus speaks and this is the place where Jesus acts and this is the place where Jesus is still moving and the hope of the world isn't in a government or in a political party, that the hope of the world is the local church because God isn't going to take government and save somebody's marriage. God is going to use this house to transform lives and transform people and heal marriages and restore hearts and take people out of darkness and bring them into the light, take them out of for their dysfunction and where they are and bring them to a place of health because the church is still God's plan A and there is no plan B and we are the hope of the world. And when you talk about what our focus should be, our focus should be what on God's focus is and that is not focused on what's going on in culture. It's a singular focus that God's going to use his house and he's going to use his people to impact lives and we don't have to go to government to get influence. God is sending the people into our room for us life after life to lead them to life on top of life in this house. And it was just a moment, it's not our church, but it was just a moment of spiritual nearsightedness. And God wants us to see singular through the lens of his vision and his focuses on the church. Here's the second picture. How should the world then see the church? Like we can't always control the perspective. And I think sometimes if you ask people, they would have a negative perspective of the church. But here's how Jesus said that the world should see the church. Jesus said it this way. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. I want you to notice something. When Jesus is talking about us collectively as the church, he's saying set it on a hill and set it on a stand. Don't lower it and hide it. Elevate it and put it for everybody to see. Stand out. Put it on a stand. It gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, not so that they will see us, but they'll see our good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. Jesus said that we are supposed to be the light of the world. And so a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. So the church, here's the second picture. The church should be a picture of influence to the world. That if the world has drawn the blinds to faith and is living in fear and anxiety and chaos, the church should be the picture of hope and faith and light. And I was talking with someone recently, and um, they were worried about future events and things to come. And, and we live in a world that's chaotic sometimes, and I realize, you know, you start watching too much of the news, you'll get anxiety and panic. Like, it's crazy out there sometimes. And they, they were worried. And the statement they said was, the church isn't ready. And they weren't talking about our, our local church here, Coast Life. They were talking about the, the global universal church. The church isn't ready for these future things. And I get it, because I, I'll confess to you as a pastor, sometimes I've looked out the vastness of the world and the chaos that goes on and just wonder how in the world, you know, it's a fight to stay Jesus-centered, Bible-focused, like we're just going all the way. And I get it, but my instinct was to respond back when they said the church isn't ready. My instinct, and it just came out, was don't bet against the church. 
And I know you're thinking I'm sermonizing right now. Well, a little bit because that's kind of what I do. Uh, and I know I just dropped a line. But can I tell you, it's, it's more than a line and it's more than a motivational point and it's more than just positive thinking. Because guys, if darkness wanted to win, it missed its opportunity 2,000 years ago when in the darkness of a tomb, darkness did not win. Jesus won when he rose out of the grave and the light came. And I want to give you some good news today. I don't know what the future holds, but I know that the church is triumphant and I know that the church is victorious and I know that we win and I know that we overcome. So we're not closing the blinds and closing the doors and going in. Come on, somebody, we're going to step up and say we will be the light of the world. We will be the hope. We will be the city on a hill. We will be on the lampstand and we will be big faith, big vision, hope filled, Bible believing, Jesus leading, believing that the best is yet to come, that God's got it under control, that whatever the obstacle is, God will see us through it. Whatever the battle is, we'll be victorious because God has not been defeated and he's not about to be defeated. And the reality is the grave is empty and our Savior is alive. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that is in this room. And that means anything is possible. So we don't close the blinds in defeat. We open it up. We live big-eyed, big-hearted, in wonder and all that we get to do this because we are the church of Jesus Christ, and we are triumphant, and we are victorious. That's, that's the right perspective. That's the right perspective. It's more than just a statement. You can't put out the light because the light can't be conquered, because Jesus is the light. And the third picture is this, is how should the church see the world? How does God see the church? What should be our reflection to the world? But then how should we, as a group of people who gather in this room, as a church, how should we then have our perspective of the world around us? And I want to walk you through John chapter 4 very quickly. Jesus gives us the proper picture or perspective of how the church should envision the world. And it comes from John 4. Jesus is going to go through Samaria and encounter a, a woman at a well where they're there to gather, drink water. And John 4, 4 said he had to go through Samaria on the way. And that's, first of all, that's a physical thing that Jesus is going from one place to another place. He's going from point A to point B. And in between there is a, is a region known as Samaria. Now, what backstory, Jewish people and Samaritans of that day did not get along. The Jewish people were very prejudiced against Samaritans. They, they would not have dealings with them. They would not talk to them. They would avoid them. So many, many Jewish people would have avoided this area. But Jesus, the Bible says in one translation, he needed to go through Samaria. Um, one That is physical, but I believe that it was more than physical. I believe that it was a prompting in the heart of our Savior that he had to go through Samaria because there was a woman who was living in darkness and her life was unfulfilled and Jesus needed to go encounter her. And I don't know where you are today and I don't know what a mess you are and I don't know what you think about God, but God is not trying to avoid you. God is attracted to you and he is leaning in your direction and he's needing to be here today because you're here and there's nothing you've done that will turn off our God. He is attracted to our need. We don't have a God that avoids us in our mess. We have a God that runs to us when we're in our mess. He had to go through Samaria. He was compelled to that region in that moment. The Bible is filled with vision of people called to a region. You see it, the Apostle Paul, um, he was called by a vision to go to the region that was known as Macedonia. It wasn't a city. It was like an entire region. 
He saw a vision of a man saying, come, come and help me. Come and help us. And I, I don't know why that messes with me like it does. I think it just connects so much to the heart of our, our vision of our church was Jesus needed to go there. And nine years ago, we began Coast Life Church. and We, we began it with a clear and compelling vision that we, we were not just called to a city, we were called to a region. That we were called to be a multi-location church. And that there were people who were here on this coast and they're living in sunshine, but they're sitting in darkness. And that God has called us to come and be light in the darkness. To come and, and, and share something. And our mantra became John 10.10, 10, which says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. To take things out of people's lives, to rob their purpose, their joy, their peace, their wholeness. But Jesus said... I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And listen, our church, we exist to lead people to abundant life in Christ. And, and along with that just came this vision of our church bringing the abundant life. And I love it. In our lobby, there's a, there's a timeline of when our church started till today. And you can place a sticker there as when you got invited, when you got baptized, when you accepted Christ. I love seeing all of those dots because it, 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 it pictures something in my mind that nine years ago we had this vision that we would bring abundant life. and I think it was last year sometimes I, I preached a message uh, uh, from this, this rapper. He, he was rapping about how much money he had because there's so much humility in hip-hop. They're just the most, like so much humility. And he's, ra he's rapping about how much money he has and he's, he uses this phrase like, we got stacks on stacks on stacks on stacks. And it just clicked for me one day, like, Jesus came to give us abundant life here, and we've got eternal life there. So come on, somebody, we got life on top of life, on top of life, on top of life, on top of life. Like, we got it here, we got it there. We just got stacks on stacks on stacks of life. And when God showed me and gave us this vision for this church, it was never for just life in one place. God showed me a vision of an entire region with dots all along the coast. And I just want to tell you that a vision of our church is that location after location and life after life, people will be experiencing life on top of life on top of life on top of life. That we'll be experiencing the goodness of God. And there... The, the reality is every time I share that vision about multi-locations, I, I remember when we first started talking about multi-service, like having more than one service a weekend. It was like, we can't do that, and now we do it four times every weekend. And then every time we talk about multi-location, there's always invariably somebody who, for whatever reason, doesn't want to see our church do that. Like, no, 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 no. We like it the way it is. We get to see you preach live, and I know I'm awesome. I love that. Um, and you want to see me live and not on a screen, and I get all of that. But here's the reality is there's people, I'll say this, multi-location, and there's people sitting in the room who will be praying. We don't do that. But can I tell you, for every person that's praying that, there's somebody praying that we will come to Northport. 
There's somebody praying we will come to Inglewood. There's somebody praying we will come to North Venice, that we will come to Sarasota. And I just want to tell you, location after location, we're bringing life on top of life in every location along our community because we're not going to stop in Venice and Northport and Sarasota and Cape Coral and Fort Myers and Naples and Tampa. Come on, somebody. We're bringing and we're dreaming and we're believing big and we're living wide-eyed and full of wonder and we're not closing the blinds of our vision. We're believing that God gave us to this region so that we can bring life on top of life on top of life. Will somebody believe it with me today? And so here's, so Jesus comes to the well, and he's, he's hangry, the Bible says. Not literally, but you can read it into it. He's tired and he's hungry. And so he, he sends his disciples into the city because the well was outside of the city. So it's good to be the boss. He sits down and sends the disciples to go get lunch. And what did they have? Chick-fil-A, of course. What else would Jesus eat? So they make a Chick-fil-A run. Jesus encounters this woman, says, you, you know what? You come to this well every day to draw water, but you're still coming to the well every day. And also, he baits this question. It's genius. He says, hey, how, how's your husband doing? And she goes, well, I've had five husbands. Which one are you talking about? And then she goes, I'm, I'm living with a sixth guy, and, but I'm not married to him. And Jesus said, you keep going back to the well of relationships, but you're still thirsty. And I, I've got something that you can drink. I'm living water. And when you drink of this well, you'll never be thirsty again because it's full of life. And once you drink it, it satisfies your thirst of life on top of life on top of life on top of life. And this woman encounters Jesus. The Bible says she's so fulfilled in her heart, she forgets her water bucket. She'll need it again tomorrow because she's going to need water, but she forgets it in that moment. Runs back to the village. <clears throat> Meanwhile, the disciples come, and they've got their Chick-fil-A, and they come to Jesus and be like, hey, you were hungry and made us go get this. And Jesus is like, I'm not hungry anymore. Thank you for sending us on a useless mission. And he's like, I'm fulfilled by something that lunch can't fulfill. And that is <laughs> to do the will of God. And I love this, to finish the work of the Father. To finish the work. What just happened has so fulfilled me that my focus isn't on lunch right now. My, 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 my focus is eat up on something so much bigger than that. And the challenge we always face as Christians and as a church is we live in a lunch world, but we serve a purposeful God. And sometimes we treat our lives and we treat church according to our preferences. And we turn church, for lack of a better phrase, into just a lunch type experience. It's like nearsighted, like focused on my preferences. And Pastor Kevin Gerald is, is, is an amazing pastor in the Seattle area. And he says this, he says, the church doesn't exist for us because we are the church and we exist for the world. And we exist for the world. And so what you have to realize is, is that the reason why sometimes we have preferences is because we have options. I booked some flights for our family. We have a daughter and a son, so four of us. I booked a flight for a trip and my kids came to me and they're so spoiled they wanted to know what airline I booked the flight on. 
And I'm like, I booked it on the cheapest ticket I could book because I'm not worried about your personal airline preferences. Like, we fly budget. We fly on the airlines where it's like if the cabin pressure drops, oxygen mask will come down for a small fee. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you, you, you can have a seat, but if you want a seat belt, that's another $29. And don't forget to tip your pilot or they won't take off. Um, and they, the reality is I didn't have a preference of airline when I was a kid. You know why? Because I never had the option to fly anywhere when I was a kid. I didn't walk on an airplane until I was about 16, 17 years old. And we all have preferences of food. But you know what? If all the food was gone, your preferences would go away. And when it comes to church, can I tell you, we don't have options as a church to live by our preferences we have one thing that fulfills us, and that's the purpose of Jesus Christ, to bring life on top of life on top of life on top of life. That's, that's, the, only, that's the only thing. That's the only purpose. And we can't live by preferences. And I just want to give you, uh, for the next 12 months, a look at what our church is going to do. And I don't know what your preferences are. I just know we have a mandate from God to bring life on top of life to location after location, location. And so here's the four objectives that we're going to take on over the next 12 months. In 2020, I'm really excited to announce that Coast Life Church will host its very own kids and student conferences. We've... We've hosted an event for several years called Kids Blast, but we're taking it to a whole new level, and it's going to be a kids conference hosted right here at Coast Life Church. And then we did the math. There are so many students now attending our church and coming to one big night that it's cheaper. This is crazy. It's cheaper for us to host our own conference than it is to take them to a conference. So Coast Life Youth Conference come in 2020, somebody. And how many of you will believe that student after student is going to experience life on top of life on top of life this year here at Coast Life Church? Here's the second initiative, and you can clap if you want to. It's going to require an explanation either way. So the second one is we're going to expand our small groups and our leadership track development uh, because one is we're investing in staff to, in, to encourage our small groups because there's small groups meeting right now in Venice. There's small groups in Northport. There's small groups, I think, in Tacoma, Sarasota. Uh, I don't know if we're in Inglewood yet. I don't remember, but we're in this area. We're in this county, but we just envision that every one of those is a place where people are experiencing the abundant life of Jesus Christ and people of faith are invading the darkness of the world. And whether it's in coffee shops or restaurants or in living rooms or on beaches, that everywhere those small groups go, the abundant life of Jesus Christ is going. And so we want to spread those all over the region because wherever those small groups go, that's where locations are going to go. And we're going to take life on top of life all around the Sun Coast. And then here's the third thing that we're going to do is we're going to increase our broadcast capability. Um, right now, we, we run a very limited broadcast. Uh, we broadcast the 915 service. It's on YouTube. It's on Facebook. It stays there. Uh, it, it goes, 
usually four or five hundred people will will join us by the time the the week is done. They don't all jump on live, but people visit it. It's really cool to see sometimes people checking in from all over the country, sometimes around the world, and that's awesome. And you're like, great, you know, we'll buy some cameras. Sounds good, Jason. Awesome. But here's why I'm announcing broadcast increase is because we are going to make this a broadcast location. And by faith, I am saying this, this year we are increasing our broadcasting because the next time I stand on this stage and share vision, it's going to be the location we're taking the broadcast to because we're going location after location broadcasting this church to bring life on top of life on top of life. Come on, somebody. I need you to give God some praise in faith for what God is going to do. Like this is the step we're taking, but it's not just to make this great. It's so that we can take this to the next level and go multi-site and see location after location. And to make all of that happen, to host conferences and to expand our staff and our team and to expand all of our broadcast capabilities, I'm really excited to announce the fourth initiative for 2020 is we are going to enter into a a building expansion and it's going to look like this right here. So... Just hold that in your mind just for a minute. I'll walk you through it. Um, This is, first of all, uh, a blessing for all of you in this room because between this building and our kids' building is that overhang and that concrete that looks like it's been abused for 30 years. Um, All of that space from the ends of this building, even past the ends of the other ends of the building, watch this, is going to become air-conditioned lobby space. You're You're welcome. You're welcome. In addition, we're, we're adding on a, a, gro- a dedicated growth track room because there's so many people trying to get connected to our church, and we're limited. We share space with the middle school building with growth track, and so we're going to have a dedicated growth track room so we can offer growth track more often so people can get planted in our church so that they can experience life on top of life on top of life. And uh, another space that we're going to add is there's several hundred people now, I, I, Dylan would have to tell me, but I, I don't know how many it is. It's, it's crazy how many people are on our dream team, and we have no space for them. And honestly, this is something that comes out of my wife Heidi and my heart, is we just want to create a space for our dream team because we love you guys, and you make our church what it is. And so we're going to have a dedicated dream team central. There will be a place for you to leave your purse. There will be a place for you to put your keys. There will be a place for you to sit down for at least five minutes on a weekend. And we, we got you, and we love you. And there's Dream Team members high-fiving one another with tears streaming down their faces right now because they make the sacrifice every weekend, and we love you guys. In addition to that, we're going to add uh, an office wing all along this building that will really help you guys, but it really helps our team a ton. Uh, right now, we have team members working in closets and, and just wherever we can find space, and we're going to add on office space. And then the really cool thing is we're going to add on to our kids' facility because when this becomes lobby space, we can move kids' check-in into the new lobby, and then we can add on to some of the environments there because we've got so many kids coming to our church that we're running out of space. So we're going to create more space for kids. We're going to add... We're still 
We're still working with civil, but we're going to add 25 to 30 parking spaces back here in our back lot. And then when, this, when we have the new lobby, that will allow us to use this existing lobby. So we're pushing that production booth back into that lobby. It's going to be a two-story production suite so that we can make this a broadcast location. And we're going to add about three new rows so we can make more room for more people to experience life on top of life on top of life. So anybody excited for the future? Come on. So the, the total cost of, of the project with the expansion and the construction, all, all, all of that stuff is, is right at a million dollars. And so we have a game plan for that. We're going we're gonna to finance a portion of it, uh, but we want to raise cash for another portion of it. So our goal, we do a legacy offering. We do one offering a year where we ask you to invest in expansion. I, I don't come to you every weekend begging for money. I just ask you one time a year. We do tithes and offerings every weekend, give people an opportunity to honor God with their tithe. But one time a year, we ask you to give sacrificially. And that's our legacy offering. It's December 8th and 9th. And our goal is to raise $450,000 with that offering. Um, and I've got some good news for you is we had a legacy offering last year and we were not able to move forward with that project. So we already have $83,000 in the bank rolling into this project. And so that's, we thank God for that. So now that means we need $367,000 and that sounds like a lot of money. But when you picture this, that this room has been filled four times then I just want to break it down into bite-sized pieces. And if you're a part of our church, and if you're not, you can be a part of this if you like. We'd love to have you a part, but I'm not uninviting you. I just want to let you off the hook. But if you're a part of our church family, I want to break it down into bite-sized pieces. I want to ask every family, uh, maybe you're a couple, or maybe you're a family, or maybe you're just a single person that's employed and you're, you're, you're working. Um, I want to ask everyone to consider and pray about giving $2,500 to our legacy offering on December 8th and 9th. And when you talk to professional fundraisers, people who do this for a living, they tell you not to do what I just did. And I did it anyway. Um, and the reason they tell you that is because there's going to be some people in the room that can't give $2,500, so they just don't give. And I realize that there's plenty of people in our church family that maybe you've got it in your heart, but you just don't have it in your hand to give. And Here's what I'd tell you is we've never twisted arms for people to give money at Coast Life Church. And I'll just tell you this, give what you can give because God doesn't see the amount. God sees the sacrifice and he's going to bless you and then he's going to multiply your gift and he's going to use it to help further the mission of our church. And the other reason they tell you not to do that is because there's other people sitting in the room that are really blessed, and they could give way more than $2,500, and they're like, that's all you want? Great, I'm off the hook. There's your $2,500. And here's what I would tell you is pray about what God says to give. And if God's number is bigger than my number, go with God's number, okay? <laughs> and on your seat are, are cards, every family, every, every person. If you're a family, would you, would you take these and, and pray over these as a family? Would you take it, maybe if you're just a couple, pray over it as a couple. If you're single, I don't know, find a friend and pray over it. I don't know how you make those decisions, but pray over it. And we're going to just be praying over this offering for the next few weeks as we roll in to our, our legacy offering. And what's the last picture that God gives us of how the church should see the world? So here it is. The woman has encountered Jesus what no relationship could do, Jesus did by letting her drink from the well of life, Jesus himself. The disciples are standing there, and they've got lunch, 
and they're facing Jesus, and Jesus is facing the city. And the woman has left the well and went and told everyone in the city that she encountered the Messiah. And Jesus says this. He says, do not say that there are yet four months and then comes the harvest. Here's something very important. That was a proverb in Jesus' day that meant you don't need to hurry. <laughs> like we'll get to it when we get to it. Whenever it happens, it happens. Jesus said, when it comes to the harvest, it's not whenever it happens, it happens. It's now. Can we not be a four-month church that says someday we'll reach the world? Can we be a church that believes today God has called us to invade and reach the world? So picture it. The disciples are standing there with their Chick-fil-A like, Jesus, we, but we got Chick-fil-A. We, we got the chicken sandwich. We got the Chick-fil-A sauce. We got what you want. And Jesus is like, I'm not worried about lunch right now. I want you to do something. He says, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. And, and we know from, from history that the Samaritans wore white hats and they wore white robes. And Jesus is saying, listen, you're focused on your preferences, but here's what we have to do as a church sometimes. He turns them around and says, I'm not worried about lunch. Turn around and look, the harvest is ready because we see the world as an opportunity for the church that God has called us to go and invade the darkness to bring the life-giving, life-changing message of Jesus Christ into life after life, experiencing life on top of life as we lead people into abundant life in Christ. Because we're not afraid of the world. The world can get dark. That just means the church shines brighter. The world can get as dark as it wants to get. That just means the city on the hill looks better and better. That just means the light on the lampstand is going to shine brighter and brighter and we are not defeated and we are not fearful and we are not afraid of rejection and we are not afraid of failure because we are the church triumphant and we are not overcome we serve the overcomer of the world and the head of the church is Jesus Christ and we will never be defeated we will be triumphant we will move forward we will go location after location and we will bring life on top of life to our region it's what God called us to do just stand with me just stand with me just stand with me I, I, I want to put handles on it I want to give you ways to personally engage the first thing is is if, if this is you maybe pray about how to engage in our legacy offering this year the second thing is is maybe some of you in this room you feel like the disciples you've got your lunch you've got your physical needs met but there's still a longing in your soul and what, what I would love to do as a pastor, if I could just lead you spiritually for a moment, is to just turn you around and say, listen, maybe you got the boat, maybe you got the house, maybe you got the car, maybe you got the ideal family. Still something is missing. Turn around and see what's going to really satisfy your soul. And it's partnering with God to finish the work that Jesus started 2,000 years ago. Maybe for some of you, this is your cue to go to Growth Track next weekend lean into dream team for some of you it's lean into ministry and leadership God's calling you because listen guys Jesus taught us he said don't pray for the harvest he said the harvest is already ready pray for laborers to go into the harvest and that's what we're praying is that maybe maybe you've got some physical things met but maybe there's some purpose some meaning things and you need to become a part of something bigger than yourself Maybe you're lunch focused and you need to get big picture focused on partnering with God and finishing the work. And then for some of us in this room today, maybe we identify with the woman at the well 
Maybe we've kept going back to something over and over again. And it's never left us satisfied. It's never left us fulfilled. It's never done what it was supposed to do. And for, for some of us in this room, maybe, maybe it's been a substance in your life. You keep going back to the well of that substance, but you're just still thirsty. Maybe you identify, maybe it is a relationship. You keep going back to relationships, but it's just not the well that you thought it was. Maybe, maybe it's another well. But today I want, to op- I want the opportunity to do what our church exists to do. And that's to lead you to the well that will never run dry. It's to lead you to the only well that brings life on top of life. It's Jesus Christ. And if you've never received Christ, I'm going to lead us in a prayer today. And I, I don't know what it is your, your soul is searching for, but I know that the place where you can have the, the internal needs of, of your life met is in Jesus. And maybe, maybe spiritually you've closed the blinds to faith and you've closed the blinds to Jesus today. If you'd give me the opportunity all across this room, I'd love to just walk you through the uh, the process of opening those blinds, beginning to see the world differently through the lens of faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and if you've ever never prayed to receive Christ, and today there's a longing. I just want you to pray this prayer with me. I'm going to give you the words, but I want you to pray these words out of your heart. Or maybe today you've believed in Jesus, but you've walked away from the well. Today I want to call you back. Believe in this moment that life on top of life is coming into someone's existence today. And all across this room, would you just simply pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I receive you now. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Wash away my past. Make me a new person. Today I change course. I follow your path. I will walk in your way. I declare that you are my leader and that you are my Lord and I will never be the same. Make it a declaration. I will never be the same. I will never be the same. Thank you for being with us on the podcast today and a great big thank you to all of those who financially support the ministry of Coast Life Church. Your generosity is helping us and resourcing us to bring God's word into people's hearts and lives. And if you've never given and would like to, you can go to mycoastlifechurch.com forward slash give. And just know that you're resourcing and equipping us to bring the encouragement of God's word into people's lives. Another way that you can make a difference is by simply hitting the subscribe button. Just know that means so much to us to know that you're leaning in to the word of God. And a great big thing that you can do is hit the share button. Let other people know that there is encouragement and God's word is there to resource them because we're here just to lead people into abundant life in Christ so they can experience life on top of life on top of life. God bless you.